Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Ronas, you watching the Masters right now? Hell no. <laughs> you watching anything right now in the background? Yes, Cardinals, Dodgers. Whoa, what's the, what's the score in that one? Four three Cardinals. So the starting pitchers not doing particularly well as uh, Kyle's. Uh, I mean Corey Seager just doubled. So Michael Walker struggling early on, and Walker Buehler gave up four in the second. What? Yeah, this is like the second two. Buehler's had three starts. I, would you say this is two bad starts for Buehler so far out of three? Yeah, his best start was in Coors Field. So go figure. And uh, we have seen that Rockies offense is just not what it. We expect, I mean, part of it is David Dow being out with an injury, Daniel Murphy being out. But uh, Bueller's another one of these cases where the Dodgers really ease back on him in the spring to preserve him, obviously, through a lot of innings last year. And similar to kind of the White Sox stars, we're seeing a slow start out of the gate for uh, Walker Bueller, who a lot of people took uh, top three, top four rounds. I think it's it's unfair for me to say this. It is, but I'll say it anyway. I've, I've always found the Dodgers to be a very streaky team. They're really good, and they would start hitting, and then they don't hit. Then they go back and forth, but maybe they could rectify it. Bueller has a home run today. David Freeze has a home run, so they are still hitting home runs. But do you find the Dodgers a little streaky? Um, I mean, they got off to a really sizzling start. We knew they weren't going to maintain that. Uh, but no, I mean, because at the end of the year, they're always winning the division, and they're they're going to get their ninety-five wins. That's true. All right, so it's four-three in the top of the third. St. Louis is winning. Cincinnati is beating Miami one nothing in the bottom of the fifth inning. We've got your boy Sonny Gray, four innings, two hits, six strikeouts, sixty pitches. That's a pretty good start for Sonny Gray. Do you do you? It seems to me guys are finding it very hard to get the wins this year. A lot of guys are pitching four innings that I've seen, Adam. It's a little bit frustrating, especially in DFS. Yeah, I'm not sure why he was removed from this game. He was only at 60 pitches, so I wonder if there was some type of injury here. Uh, I guess they did the pinch hit for him. Uh, but, yeah, I haven't seen anything, uh, but that's not good because I don't understand why they would have taken him out of the game. So I'm assuming there might have been some type of injury here. I know it's kind of cold and windy. Uh, the wind might be blowing in, but I'm assuming some type of injury might have taken place. Pablo Lopez pitching for the Marlins, four and two-thirds, two earned runs. Jesse Winker, one for two. Joey Votto, two for three. Eugenio Suarez, two for two with an RBI. He's now up to 286. He had had a really bad start to the season. All right, the A's are leading the Orioles in the middle of the sixth inning, seven to one. You've got to think that the A's wish they could play the Orioles every day because they just are killing this team. I think a lot of people wish they could play the Orioles every day. I know, except the Yankees. Uh, but they got off to the quick start, but we knew it wouldn't last. And, you know, to go to Camden Yards and be in that park, it's especially good for right-handed hitters. And uh, Chris Davis, once again, two more home runs. He's the fastest active player to 200 career home runs, which he got yesterday. And The Orioles' Chris Davis, two home runs? No. <laughs> He's over for 52, Adam. And he, you got saved yesterday because he wasn't in the lineup. I don't know if you were really going to use him. but <laughs> No, I saw he wasn't in the lineup. I didn't start him. But I might have had he been in there. But uh, you're right. Sorry to, to take you away. Chris Davis is really killing the ball this year. Yeah, and it's not a surprise. I mean, I feel like he gets undervalued in fantasy every single year. It's three straight years of at least 40 home runs, three straight years of at least 100 RBIs. And, yeah, yeah he hits 247 four years in a row, but – it still feels like he goes later than he should. And I know this year, especially in NFBC formats, he was only eligible at utility. And people just are shy to tie up that utility spot early in the draft. And it does hurt the flexibility. But if you're a good player, you'll figure it out. And Chris Davis is just money in the bank. I mean, it's every year. And 
you know, some people will say, well, he doesn't give you steals. He's not an asset in average. I mean, to lock in those three counting stats and 40 home runs is just not many people can do that. I'd like to get your take on this. I am a fan of Dylan Bundy. I think there is a skill set there. Um, I, I think at one, it, maybe with the right coaching in the right park, uh, he could be uh, a decent, maybe a number two starter. But four home runs today, is it that he just is too much around the plate? Is it that the wind was blown out in Camden? Is it just a bad park? I mean, what's going on with Dylan Bundy? Yeah, it's not going to happen in Camden Yards. We've just seen very few Baltimore pitchers have success. And we knew that Kevin Gossman needed to get out of Baltimore in order to have a shot at success. And, you know, he had a good second half with Atlanta, although the strikeouts were down. But, I mean, Bundy gave up 2.15 homers per nine last year in yeah. 171 and 200. I mean, that is insane. And you're like, oh, well, it's got to regress. Well, it's going up already. So he allowed 41 home runs last year, which is just, just nuts. So, yeah, I stayed away from him. And I think it's going to be uh, have to be – uh, a change of a scenery for him. Now, you're the Orioles. You have Bundy. How do you even trade him? I mean, what are you going to get for this guy? I mean, if I'm another team, I'll take Bundy, but I'm not going to give you a lot for him. Yeah, you're just not going to get proper return with the numbers he puts up. And uh, it's unfortunate for them, and they just cannot seem to develop pitchers. And it's not Coors Field, but it's definitely a very favorable park for hitters. And uh, it's going to be another team that's going to really have to figure out how to get pitching. I mean, they had Jake Arrieta there. He couldn't do it. He leaves, and he becomes one of the best starters for a couple of years. Obviously now not the same, but uh, they have a lot of work to do with their uh, pitching. Uh, by the way, Sonny Gray took a comebacker off the leg, and that's why he left. So that's great. That's another guy having tout worse. All right, the Indians are leading the Tigers 2-0 in the top of the fourth. Shane Bieber, three innings, no hits. Three strikeouts, Leonis Martin uh, with a home run. And Carlos Santana hitting 410 on the year, Adam. I know that we both liked him coming back to Cleveland. You know, maybe he's just more comfortable this year. I, don't, I know he's not going to hit 410, but he's a decent hitter. Yeah, I mean, nothing flashy. He's much better in on-base percentage leagues. You just saw my Tout Wars league. He went way higher than you would expect. And it's because of the OBP where he's consistently pretty good in that category and it just gives his value a boost because he draws a lot of walks and again not a flashy player i thought he might do better in philly last year i was surprised he only hit 229 uh he had 24 86 so the counting numbers might be a little bit worse this year in that lineup but uh again nothing outstanding but certainly a solid corner infielder in a mixed league all right yasiel puig did uh, get a two uh, get a double i believe so uh, double to left and two, two runners scored. So he's one for three with two RBIs. Cincinnati is now up 4 nothing on Miami. Kansas City's playing the red-hot Seattle Mariners. It's the middle of the fourth inning. It's 3 nothing Kansas City over Seattle. Um, Jorge Soler with a home run. Hunter Dozier with a home run. Uh, Mike Leake has let up the two home runs. So uh, the Royals have been struggling with the bats, but Mariners have been very hot at them. But... I, I think it's got to stop at some point. Their pitching staff really just isn't that good. No, it's not. They, I'm surprised that they've gotten off to this start, and I just don't think they have enough pitching. I mean, Marco Gonzalez is considered their number one, and while I do like Marco and have him in a few fantasy leagues, he's not your prototypical uh, ace, and they're not a great defensive team, and they don't have strikeout pitchers either. That's the biggest thing, too. Marco's not a big strikeout guy. Kikuchi so far hasn't been a big strikeout guy. Leak's not a big strikeout guy. Felix isn't, Wade LeBlanc isn't, that's tough. In today's environment where you have so many guys striking out and you have this pitching staff that can't get a lot of swings and misses and then you have to deal with a defense that's not great behind them, it's just not going to last long term. And every team goes through a streak like this, this uh, during a season. Uh, the, the bad teams are not going to go through a sizzling start like this, but even the average teams have a stretch where they just look really good. And obviously it stands out more because it's early in the season, but I don't expect them to continue winning games at this pace. Well, Jay Bruce is a little bit injured there with an Achilles. So today Vogelback starts at DH. You had Santana, Hanniger, and Malik Smith. So I, it seems like they have one player too many when everybody's healthy, but they're figuring out a way to get everybody in there. They are for now, uh, but it doesn't sound like it's serious for Bruce. He's available to pinch it. And, you know, the last few days they've sat Malik Smith, They've sat Mitch Hanniger, and they've sat Domingo Santana, and I guess they're going to just keep doing that 
as long as Vogelbach hits because it looked like he was going to be the odd guy out. But obviously, with the way he's swinging the bat, they can't sit him, and clearly he's going to cool off. So it's a nice problem for them to have, and they'll just kind of rotate off days. They can be a little bit patient with Bruce, you know, sit him out a couple more days if needed, and just play everyone else. But, uh, you know, these situations usually tend to work themselves out. Um, we're seeing it even with the Padres, you know, uh, with Franchi Cordero going on the DL a couple of days ago. So a lot of times they do work themselves out, and you just have to stay patient if you have a lot of those players. And I could tell everybody out there the following. Look, I like Vogelbach. I think he's going to be the first baseman as soon as Encarnacion gets traded. As to when that happens, I can't tell you the exact day, but I believe that Encarnacion will be gone. I mean, they try to get him out of there already. So if you have Vogelbach, enjoy the, the run. When he gets cold, you put him on your reserve squad, and you'll bring him back up probably in June because I've got to think, Adam, that Encarnacion and Bruce will be traded. You would think. I mean, a lot's going to depend on how they fare and – what whether they stay in contention uh but i still think that eventually they are looking more towards 2020 2021 i don't think they expected to be a contender this year and we know they like to trade a ton so i could see those guys definitely being moved all right so let's let's talk about something that is is definitely out there and people are talking about is the ball juiced how do we know it's juiced why would the why would baseball juice the ball there are a lot of home runs flying out there, so I think the apparent answer is it feels like it's juiced, or is it just really bad pitching? No, I lean towards it being juiced. Uh, this kind of is reminiscent of 2017, and you just see some swings, and you're like, really? How'd that ball get out? And especially this early in the year, because we've had cold weather, and the ball's still jumping out. Like the Mets game at City Field two nights ago, it was like, High 40s, low 50s. It was a cool night, and I didn't expect to see that many home runs, and there were a ton. So, yeah, is the pitching not as good, too? Yeah, you can look at that, and a lot of the aces so far have really not performed well. So maybe they're a little bit behind as some of these guys have not gotten the innings in the spring, but it certainly feels like uh, the ball is juiced again. Let's assume it is. Would you think that's good for baseball? I think it's good for baseball. I think home runs are exciting. Home runs make people happy. Home runs bring kids to the stadium. And, you know, I, I know that baseball purists may not like that. I mean, people like the 2-1 games. But, look, 10-8 games are exciting, and, they, and they, it, it grabs people's attention. Uh, I guess. I mean, 10-8 games are longer, though. And one of the big criticisms is the game takes too long, and they're trying to speed it up. I think people would rather see home runs than a 2-1 game. Not everyone, but I think a lot of people – so it's kind of mixed. I mean, yes, home runs are definitely appealing for a lot of people. So that's probably the way they look at it. And they're like, look, if we're going to have a lot of strikeouts in the game and, and walks, uh, we got to have home runs too. So, yeah, I mean, home runs make the highlights. If you watch baseball highlights, what is one of the highlights? One runs. or two defensive plays and home runs. But, look, I know you're not a soccer fan. I, I love soccer. I really do like watching soccer. But a lot of soccer games are one nothing. Two one. It's not. I mean, I, I would argue that's one of the reasons why American people don't really pay attention to soccer. It is just kind of boring. Yeah, I mean, it is. I don't really watch it much, and uh, you know, I can appreciate it. I know it's a skillful game, but I just tend to fall asleep when I watch it, and I just never have been a big fan. You know, I'll watch the World Cup a little bit, but I can't sit there and watch it from start to finish. And I know people say the same about baseball, but I can with baseball. Uh, maybe just because I grew up on it and I understand we're a different generation now and people's attention spans are really short. And I think that's the biggest problem uh, for, for baseball. Is people have short attention spans. You know, even for the NBA, people will just, all right, I'll come back the last two minutes to go. If it's tied, I'll watch it. Uh, even even football to a certain extent. So I just think people just have uh, sp- short attention spans right now. Everybody wants, you know, oh, they can go on their phone, click, and watch highlights. They don't even well, need to watch the game. I just think it's different now. I mean, that's absolutely true. I Look, I've got a 12-year-old son. He watches videos all the time, and the videos are three or four minutes in length. And when we go to a baseball game, it's hard for him to sustain, you know, the entire game. Uh, but, you know, the funny thing is when I want to fall asleep on a Sunday, Ronus, I can watch a baseball game or I can watch a soccer game, and I can fall asleep to both of them. I enjoy them. I can watch them, especially if my teams are playing. But at the same time, if Tampa's playing, I don't know, the White Sox, I could definitely go out for two hours too. Yeah, that might be because you're getting older. 
Well, <laughs> that, that could be too. And I'm not sleeping through a night. So I have to make it up some, some other part during the day. But I find soccer with them going up and down the field. That just makes me tired just watching. My eyes just watching. And then I end up falling asleep on that one. Uh, maybe I should watch soccer then at night and maybe it'll help me fall asleep. You should try that. Yeah, do that, Ronas. Tape a game or two and see how that helps you. Because yeah, your brain's always spinning. All night it's spinning, right? About fantasy moves that you're going to make. It is. I guess that is the problem. I, I think that's the problem. I'm always worried about moves, ad drops, trades, and thinking about booty. So when you combine all of that, it just never stops. <laughs> you, your brain needs a break, Adam. When does your brain get a break? It the never game? does, man. It never does because there's always sports going on. So I'd never have a break. See, even right, and you're an NBA guy too. So even yeah. like in February, when people are like not paying attention, you're still paying attention to the NBA. Yeah, in January is when I really start up my ramp up my fantasy baseball prep, and then you got the NFL playoffs and middle of NBA playing DFS. So there's never a break. There's never a break for Adam Ronas. That's sad, Ronas. We got to figure. We got to. We got to help you there because I think it's going to make you last longer in this industry. Let's, yeah. <laughs> what am I going to have to do? Get rid of a sport? Yes. Could you? Could you imagine yourself doing that? Mm, no. Yeah, I know. You're, you're too much of a lifer. All right. There's some news in baseball. There's a lot of news in football, especially the New York football giants with a big signing. We'll discuss who that is and how much he got paid because he got paid a lot of money, Ronis. Did you see that? Yes, I did. A lot of money. We'll discuss who it is when Scal Fantasy Sports returns right after this. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. All right, we're back. Scout Fantasy Sports, Dr. Roto, along with Adam Ronos. I feel badly about that last break there. It's DynastyKing.com. And if you like playing Dynasty football, Dynasty Fantasy football, I encourage you to check it out. We've got $500 entry Dynasty leagues. We've got $1,000 entry Dynasty leagues. And you can be paying attention to football all year round, which I know so many of you like to do out there. So check it out at DynastyKing.com and sign up right now. All right, Adam. The New York football giants paid a whole lot of money to a man named Sterling Shepard. They gave him $41 million for four years. And what was it, like $23 million? Guaranteed? What was that number? Did you see it? Uh, I don't recall offhand. Yeah, let me, let me find it. He got, uh, he got a bunch of money uh, guaranteed. I think it was like $23 million guaranteed. So 21.3. 21.3. What were your thoughts on... I mean, I thought the Giants had to do this. I mean, you get rid of Beckham, you can't lose Shepard, too. Yeah, I mean, I think you knew they would keep him at this point. And, again, it's not really clear what their plan is. I think they actually might believe they can compete where everyone else thinks this team is going to be terrible. So they bring Eli Manning back, and they still have faith in him. Uh, so we've seen Shepard put up some numbers without Beckham, but he's also going to get uh, – the top covers now, and how does he coexist with Golden Tate too? Since uh, you know both guys, I think you would prefer in the slot. Well, it's funny you said that because the Giants say that Shepard and Tate are very similar receivers in that they could be used anywhere in the field. So they actually think they complement each other as opposed to you know work against each other. I don't know if I agree with that, but I mean maybe I don't know. I just think Shepard and Tate both play better in the slot. Yeah, and I think that's where they're best utilized so it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, work together in tandem it's funny you said that about the giants i think the giants haven't got the me- haven't gotten the memo they're in real trouble and by the way i was talking about this guy to my bank teller about this because he's a big cleveland browns fan you get that extra year for your first round pick right in the, in the nfl draft so if you guy if you draft a guy in the first round you can sign him to a five-year contract instead of four wouldn't that make sense for the giants at 17 to take a quarterback there because you don't want to take one in round three. Because God forbid the guy in round three is any good. 
Think of it this way. Maybe he doesn't play for the first year. Now, all of a sudden, you're playing him year two. And two more years, that's all you have. And then you got to get then you got to sign him to a big deal. Maybe the Giants really have to take somebody in the first round. It's possible. It's really difficult to know what the Giants are going to do in their thinking. So I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, they've got two picks there in the first round. So I could see them uh, taking a quarterback with the second one, depending on who's on the board at the time. Is my thought process, though, off? Because I think it's pretty dead on. If you, t- if you don't take somebody in the first round, you're going to lose them earlier. And a lot of times, year one is you throw it out. So you have very little time before you get to start paying somebody again. Yeah, and obviously you want to keep that window without paying them as long as possible because you see what happens. I mean, you're seeing it now with Russell Wilson. And uh, once these guys have to get a payday, and you'll see it with Dak Prescott soon, it just hurts the, the rest of the team and your flexibility and what you can do. Do you think that once you give the guy a payday, it almost like decreases your chances of making a Super Bowl dramatically? Uh, not if you're the Patriots. If you're any, but I, I mean, I, I think of the, the, I was wearing a Detroit Lions hat today and somebody's like, what do you think of the Lions this year? They're going to go to the Super Bowl? I'm like, no. I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't think you're going to the Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I mean, Rodgers gets paid a lot, and if they didn't have the coaching issues and some of the underlying issues that have come out, you know, they should have always been in contention. So I think it was a lot of other issues that prevented them. But, you know, I think they'll be in the mix again this year with some of the changes they made. I think if you had a good enough defensive coordinator who could take young guys out, do you think it's easier to learn offense or defense in the NFL, Adam? What do you think? For a rookie? Right. You I mean can I can I get a can I find a rookie linebacker from Alabama, throw him in my four three defense, and hope he makes a bunch of plays? Is that easier than finding a wide receiver and saying you know run this pattern? Uh, it seems like we do see a lot of rookie linebackers make big impacts, so you would lean more to that. I mean, we do see receivers as well, but it is a position that might take. It's a little bit more difficult. You got to gain the rapport with the quarterback so yeah I mean I think you see linebackers coming to make big impacts a lot as rookies I do too all right did you see the Patriots sign Austin Safarian nightmare to a one-year deal lose Gronk get ASJ Ronas that can't be a good thing yeah you got to be feeling good as a Patriots fan now (laughs) why does he always seem to get opportunities uh I don't know I mean it for a while, it looked like he had potential, and, you know, you see the size. Uh, he cannot run, though. He's very slow, but yards per reception are not great. But I guess people are still intrigued uh, with uh, the size, and he's only 26 years old. Is he that young? He seems yeah. like he's 46 years old, right? He's been around the league that long? Yeah, he's uh, 26. All right, two more football notes for you, Adam. Christian McCaffrey was t- asked a question about his workload. Did you know that he played in 91.3% of their snaps last year? That's an insane amount of numbers. Yeah, I remember seeing that towards the end of the year about how he's basically been on the field every single play. And uh, it is amazing because you don't expect a, a player to be able to uh, withstand that. Well, because he's so good at, as a receiver out of the backfield, you can't take this guy off the field. He's your best player. What, what do you think about that? I mean, do they have to find another guy? And if so, let's say they find a guy in the draft. Do you knock McCaffrey down a little bit thinking that they're going to reduce his uh, snaps? No, because even if they reduce his snaps, I still think the touches will be there. And he's such a big part of the offense. He showed he could hold up. I, I do think they could add a complimentary back just to make sure you don't overextend them, But... I mean, I think he's still going to be a huge part of this offense. Even, I mean, how much could they decrease him? Yeah, seventy-eight point nine percent. I mean, look, the guy—the guy is your best. Honestly, he's your best receiver. You got rid of Funchess. Greg Olson can barely walk. I mean, what are you going to do without him on the field? He only had two hundred nineteen carries. That's not a lot. So if they keep him in that vicinity, it helps keep him fresh. It helps lessen the contact because you're just not getting hit as much when. You're targeted in the passing game. So he had 124 targets last year, 113 in his rookie year. So if that pace continues and they do give him the ball around 200 times again and he can be as efficient as he was, he was at five yards per carry last year, then, yeah, he can be close to what he was last year. I mean, the workload's going to be there. I mean, you got to think he gets at least 300 touches once again. All right, Saquon is better. We know that. Would you take McCaffrey too? Would you take him over Gurley or Le'Veon Bell? Uh, in a I, PPR? 
I think at this point I would take him over both those guys, but I think you could uh, make a case for Zeke over him. You take him uh, right? Okay, so Zeke, Zeke for Zeke sure. Zeke caught a lot more passes than people think, man. You know, people think Zeke can't catch the football. And what did he catch last year? He had to have, I'd say, seventy something. No, I think in the sixties would be my guess offhand. He did miss the final game. He had. Looking at it now, he had 77. I said 70-something, right? Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, and he gets all the targets. Right, and he gets all the goal line carries. You know what's crazy? He didn't even hit double-digit touchdowns last year. He only had nine. That's so really weird. Imagine, yeah, he, could have, he could have 18. He could have 18. Yeah, easily. Or he could have 15. And he averaged 4.7 yards per carry. That was close to what he did in his rookie year. Yeah, I mean, uh, remember, they had – Injuries in the offensive line, so they get some of those guys back healthy. You add Randall Cobb to the offense, a full season of Amari Cooper, another year of Michael Gallup. and Jason You're picking Whitman. number one. You're picking number one. You take Saquon or Zeke? I think Saquon and then Zeke. Even as a Cowboy fan? Yeah. I mean, Barkley's more explosive. I mean, you can make the argument that the Cowboys' offense is better and you have concerns about the Giants, but... Even if they are bad, they'll be playing from behind, and Barkley's just going to catch a ton of passes. And he's just—he's a better, he's more explosive player at this time. I mean, he really is. How many catches did Barkley have last year? He had to have close to a hundred, I think. But I'd say in the ni- ninety-one. Wow, ninety-one. And how many uh, how many rushing attempts did he have? Two sixty-one. So he had fifty more than McCaffrey. But even two sixty-one doesn't seem like a lot, right? He could have had more. Yeah, and he played in all 16 games. But that's actually a good number for him, right? But he caught a lot of passes. Yeah, I think you got to go Barkley one because of the mere threat every time he touches it to go to the end zone. I don't think you don't I mean maybe I'm being I, I I'm not this is not knocking Zeke in any way. When he gets the ball, you don't think he's scoring on every play. You do with Barkley. Yeah, that's the difference is the explosiveness, but you know, Zeke is certainly in the better offense that should provide more scoring opportunities and it's really stunning that Zeke did not score double digit touchdowns last year. I would take the over on double digit touchdowns this year. How many Barkley have last year touchdowns you have in front of you? Yeah, he had eleven rushing, four receiving. Wow, he had fifteen touchdowns. <laughs> he had a good year, dude. What a good player that guy is. Yeah, it's exciting. So there's also a little news about David Johnson, and I think he's another guy that people will debate about whether or not he should go in the first round. That they're going to play a lot of shotgun. You know they're going with shotgun. If they draft Kyler Murray, they're going to have to run a spread offense. Would you put David Johnson clearly in the first round if they draft Kyler Murray with Cliff Kingsbury there? I don't think he will go in. The first round, uh, I think he'll be a value. Uh, now, maybe, maybe after the draft it changes, but from the early mocks that I've seen, the limited ones, he's not going in the first round. I mean, this is a guy that I think people are sour on right now, and that's the one thing. If you draft now, you can't get him at a nice value. See, I'm not sour on him. I was sour on the Cardinals. I, I know Cliff Klingsbury very well. I remember him when he was a quarterback in college. And I've seen his teams at Texas Tech. Dude, they put points on the board. Now, I don't know whether what he does in college translates to the NFL, but if it does, dude, you want to get behind this team. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about it a lot last year that he just wasn't being utilized, right? They weren't getting him involved in the passing game enough, and then we did see it briefly when Byron Leftwich came in, but then it tapered off once again. And You've got to have him be a big part of the passing game. They had a bad offensive line, so, yeah, you changed – the system, the quarterback, bring in a new coach, and maybe you see uh, something close to what we saw from David Johnson in the past. So right now he's a good value, and I'm interested to see how his draft price changes after this draft. Speaking of draft price, what about Le'Veon Bell? Do you think he's an absolute first-rounder, like pick five, six, seven, and do you think he'll be worth that? I don't know if he's absolutely there. I mean, I think there's – he was actually not good two years ago. He was not very efficient at all, and he only averaged, I think, four yards a carry. So I think a lot of people are going to say, well, he's a product of the uh, Steelers' offense. Let's see how he does on his own now. But you know he's going to get a big workload. They paid him a lot of money. Uh, I would say he's more late first round. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I could see taking him as the fifth, sixth running back off the board. Yeah, I, I- – I'm, I'm kind of torn with him because I know he's a good player 
and I know he's going to get opportunities, but I don't think the Jets are ready yet to really compete at that next level. And maybe we're just talking about a guy who's going to get a lot of touches, but I don't know how much production is, if the production is going to meet the touches. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question because he, you know, had, I mean, the year off certainly helps, uh, but and a lot of his value is tied to the passing game. You know, he's a guy that we expect 75, 80 receptions from. So is he going to do that with the Jets? And will, how efficient will he be? Because he really wasn't, and he didn't have big plays in 2017. So does the year off help, or does it hurt? I don't know. I, I, I want to think it helps in some ways, right? You recharge your batteries, you get stronger, but I don't think there's any any speed that can match game speed, Adam. And I think about that all the time. You know, when, when guys play even in the preseason and they don't go it at 100%, and then all of a sudden week one, you're going at full throttle. It's very hard to, to replicate what the NFL looks like on a week-to-week basis. No, that's for sure. You can't account uh, for the difference in practice and games and you could do whatever you want try and stay in shape it's completely different when you're out there on the football field I think I'll be very interested to see how he looks in preseason but I don't know whether all my questions will be answered then I gotta be honest with you and I don't know whether if I'm picking in the first round if I'm picking at six seven eight I don't know if I'm taking Bell yeah I think there are situations where you just don't feel comfortable and you have some question marks and if that's the case then you're better off just uh, passing until you get a more solidified answer. You take Connor over Bell? Mm, I would say no right now. I think I'd say yes because yeah. the offense is better. We sure about that? Oh, you're saying compare oh, for the Jets compared yeah. to the Jets? Yeah. Okay. Steelers are better than the Jets, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, you would think the Jets don't have a receiver like Juju. James Washington's going to play more. Connor, Ben, still a good offensive line. Connor was pretty darn good last year, dude. No, he was. Do you know Connor was probably, you know how every year we're in Vegas, there's one guy who people take a little bit earlier than they should, and that's the guy that ends up changing leagues? It was Connor last year. If you took him in round six, you probably made a whole lot of money. Yeah, and I think, you know, it was partial luck because. I don't think anyone expected Bell to sit out the entire year. I really don't. And, you know, you're sitting there in Vegas, you're like, all right, well, okay, Bell's going to miss this week, but he might come back week two. If not, he'll be back three. Okay, what's the worst-case scenario? He comes back week seven. Do I take Connor and just take a couple games? And you have to make that decision. And if you made the decision to take him, obviously you were rewarded in a big way because that was an RB1. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think I only I took Connor in one or two leagues last year. One because I had Bell, and one was begrudging. I didn't want it. I really didn't want it. But the truth of the matter was, it was a brilliant pick. And I'm one of those people that I always think, well, Bell will be back in four weeks. Why do I want a guy for four weeks? And there's always a dude in Vegas, Adam. There's always a guy who says, well, uh, give me four wins, and then I'll figure it out later. Yeah, and if they did that, it worked out, and they got lucky. Right. That, that's the bottom line. And you do need some luck in any fantasy sport that you play, especially to win like a huge prize. You do need some luck. Is there skill involved? Absolutely. But you do need some luck. And the Connor owners got some luck last year. All right. One more uh, football note here. Josh Rosen. This, there's no way they don't trade him. Who do you think he ends up with? And I'm going to give you a sleeper team. What if I told you maybe he ends up with the New England Patriots? Uh, that would be surprising. But obviously... Brady is coming near the end at some point, whether it's one year, four years. Yeah, for him, you know, he obviously wants to play forever. But that would be interesting. You know, I still think there's a, a there's a pretty good skill set here. I mean, he wasn't in the best position last year, but I saw him make some tough throws, some good throws down the field. So I think it's kind of unfair to say he's terrible after one year. I, I I agree with you. I don't think he's going to go to Denver because Denver at 10 should be able to get somebody. I think the Redskins make sense, but I do think the Patriots, they need a backup. And when Tom Brady's gone, which eventually he will go, Rosen could step in and be the quarterback for a decade. Uh, what about the Giants? I don't think so. No. I don't think they're going to give a first. They're not going to give a first round pick for him. No way. No yeah, way. I mean, the Redskins certainly would be a team that definitely needs a quarterback. The Giants are scaring me because they're, they're not taking Haskins. I'm telling you that right now. They're not going to get Kyler Murray. So they're going to have to take Locke or, some, or Jones at 17. And I don't know if those guys are that good. And I think Locke will be gone by then. Yeah, I, I have a feeling Denver might take him. 
Right. So the Giants are going to take the guy from Duke. I mean, oof. it's. I mean, I don't know. It's tough to know what the Giants are going to do. They. I think they might surprise us. I don't even think the Giants know what they're going to do. That's the worst part, Adam. <laughs> they probably don't. <laughs> Scary, but it's true. All right, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we'll take a look at baseball. There's the afternoon games. And, of course, we're going to take a look at tonight's slate so you can be prepared for DFS. And we'll do that when Scout Fantasy Sports returns right after these messages. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. All right, we're back. Tune in to Calling the Shots with Keith Irizarry on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network. Weekdays from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern as Keith takes you around the sporting world checking in on live game action with a daily stream of notable guests second to none. If you're able to watch a show and not just listen, catch the video feed live or on demand or on the FNTSY Sports Network YouTube page or on your favorite OTT provider. It's Calling the Shots with Keith Irizarry on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network and the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page weekdays from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Speaking of YouTube, did you watch my fate, one of my favorite shows of last year, Adam, Cobra Kai on YouTube? I have not seen it. Did you ever see the original Karate Kid? Yeah. Did you like the original Karate Kid? Yeah. Go see Cobra Kai, dude. Yeah. Could have been one of the best shows I saw of all last year. There's it's like, on YouTube? It's on YouTube Premium. So let me give you a piece of advice. Wait till the season two comes out on April 24th. Purchase it for a free month and then just get rid of it. Oh, that's what you, that's what you did? Uh, that's what I did, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because I, I never would listen, pay attention to YouTube Premium, but it's like 10 30-minute episodes and it's great. It's really good. All right, I'll see if I can work that in. I know you're a busy man, Ronas. Are you a Game of Thrones person, Ronas? Yes. I've never seen one game. Of Are you serious? Never You're seen a big one. TV guy. I can't believe you haven't watched it. I not one, not one minute of one episode. Not Why? one minute. I don't know. No good reason. Is it that good? Yeah, I mean, I think people treat it like I think some overrated. It's a very good show. Uh, I, I don't think it's the greatest show ever. Is it but, The Wire? Um, I mean, I like The Wire better. I mean, it's different, but I, I do think it's very good. And, yeah, I know a, lo- a lot of people who love it. Really? I, you know, I'm, I do know a lot of people who love it, and people are always talking about it on social media. I've literally never seen one minute. How many seasons are there? This is the final season, and I believe it's final, It's season seven. Um, it's only going to be about seven episodes, but I think each one is going to go beyond an hour. Uh, but for the most part, there are hour episodes, so you should be able to – to breeze through it. Oh, this it's is season, season eight. eight. Hmm. I don't know. Do I feel like, I don't know, do I want to get involved in it? But I've seen Breaking Bad, Sopranos, Billions, Ray Donovan. You mentioned it. I watch it, Ronas. You know that. I'm a yeah, TV I've seen holic. all those shows too. Billions is excellent. Billions is <laughs> it's such a good show. You know, Even, you know who's going to be in an episode of that coming up? No, who? Lisa Ann. Really? Yes. She was already mentioned on the show. Do you remember? Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, but she's going to appear in a show in a few weeks. I think episode seven or eight. What is she going to be as Lisa Ann? I believe so. I wasn't told any details. Obviously, you can't, she can't talk about that. Or so. is she going to be Carol Ann playing Lisa Ann? Something <laughs> no. Like that. <laughs> no, but she'll be on there. Well, they've had Kevin Durant on. They've had Cuban on. They yes. had Chris mm-hmm. Saka on. They've, they have people on that show. Yeah, they have quite a few celebrities. I can watch that show all the time. Did you watch Killing Eve last year, Ronas? No, I don't even know if I've even heard of it. That's a really good show. What it's channel is that on? It's BBC America. Okay. The first season was great. I mean, it's about a, a pathological murderer, a killer for hire, and this, and this woman who chases her down. And then they kind of have like this twisted relationship with each other. And that was season one? Yeah, so season two literally just started this week. Okay. So you can catch up. It's easy. It's like 10 episodes maybe or less. You catch up in that a weekend. 
You're free on the weekends, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Got nothing going on. <laughs> Don't exactly. watch any sports or nothing. <laughs> no, Killing Eve was pretty good. That's one, that's one way, you know, when my wife will stay up for it at night, you know it's good. Oh, because she tends to go to sleep early? Well, she'll go to sleep because she's tired, but if it's something interesting, she'll stay up. If not, all of a sudden I'll be like halfway through the show and I'll be nudging her. I'm like, you're falling asleep. Do you want to watch it? And she's like, you know, she doesn't want to say anything. And then I just watch the end of it myself. And then if you put on soccer, both of you guys, not all. <laughs> exactly. No, by that time, it's get out of the room. I'm going to sleep. You put on soccer downstairs. Then I fall asleep. So there you have it in a nutshell, Ronis. All right, let's get to the games here. It's 7-5 to five right now in top of the fourth. The Dodgers coming alive. Michael Walker only letting up seven runs today. Uh, Kiki Hernandez with a home run. Uh, so it's uh, Walker Bueller letting up five runs in three innings. This is just an offensive explosion here in, in Missouri. Yeah, both pitchers terrible today. Walker was just removed from the game finally. So you don't have to endure any more of these runs coming across. And Walker Bueller just has uh, not been sharp. The strikeouts are way down uh, from what we're used to. I mean, he has struck out four and three innings, but two walks and five earned runs. So not the start that Walker Bueller owners want to see. All right, Cincinnati, it's now in the middle of the seventh. They're up 4-0 over the Marlins. Puig with uh, two RBIs and Votto with one and Suarez with one. Uh Let's see, Oakland and Baltimore, it's now 7-5 to five and top of the eighth, Ronis. Uh, lots going on here. Let's see what happens. Uh, Mullins with an RBI. Uh, Dwight Smith with two RBIs today. Uh, stop the, what do you think about Dwight Smith? Is he worth picking up? I think in a 15-team league, uh, with, if you need some outfield help, I was looking at him off the waiver wire over the weekend, didn't get him, but they keep hitting him near the top of the lineup. Uh, so, uh, again, not... More of an injury fill-in, or if you need some help in the outfield, we know how difficult it can be in 15-team leagues to get that fifth outfielder at times. So, yeah, in, in that format, I, I might if I really needed help. I, I want to like Ramon Laureano, Ronis, but he strikes out so much. Another two strikeouts today for, for Laureano on the A's. Yeah, and I think a lot of people expected him to hit atop the lineup going into the year, and he did get a couple games, but he just hasn't been making enough contact and uh, I think that's why you see him move down so you know if you have him I think you're gonna have to be patient with him uh expect a little power a little speed but he's gonna have to start making more contact because uh a lot of strikeouts so far this year all right Cleveland up three nothing in the bottom of the fifth of the Tigers Shane Bieber four and a third two hits five strikeouts what do you think of Spencer Turnbull for the Tigers is there is there anything going on there with him yeah there's something but you know, you'd expect him to do well in this matchup. I know Cleveland's come on a little bit. Um, so, to me, I think he's streamer, matchup play, maybe if he has a good two-star two week. I know the Tigers are playing well so far. I mean, the strikeouts are definitely there for him. Uh, that, that's that been the encouraging sign so far. So, yeah, I think in 15-team league, you can take a shot on him. All right, uh, D. Gordon with a home run. He's hitting 340 on the year. The Mariners have closed the gap to 4-2 to two against Kansas City. Jorge Soler, Alberto Mondesi with a home run. Ronas, his second of the year, and he's got nine RBIs. He's hitting 313. I know that won't hold, but Merrifield, Mondesi, Gordon, uh, doing a good job at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it's the bottom of the line, but it's just not that good, and Bondesi, still not drawing any walks, but when he's making contact, it's hard contact. He's an exciting player. Stole a couple bases last night. So that's pretty much what you want from him. A little power, a ton of speed, and you just hope the average can be somewhat respectable. All right, let's look at the night slate. Toronto against Boston. Aron Sanchez against Nathan Eovaldi. Nathan Eovaldi's ERA is 8.10. Ronas will Boston win tonight. That's a 9.5 over-under. Yeah, they're heavy favorites. They're minus 180. So Sanchez has gotten off to a good start, but it's completely different pitching in Boston. Looks like the weather will be in the high 40s there tonight. So, uh, yeah, I, I lean towards Boston. I think they rebound it and get a W here. All right, the Mets play the uh, Atlanta Braves. Steven Matz against Kevin Gascan. What do you think about the Mets offense against Gossman? Uh, tough to know with Gossman because he was – Excellent in his first outing. It was against the Marlins, though. But I do think he did improve. He was supposed to pitch yesterday. They had the blizzard in Coors Field. Mets offense has been pretty good, but they do strike out quite a bit. So uh, it's a very small, uh, small slate. So if you do want to go a little cheaper, uh, I think draft, uh, Gossman 
could be a second pitcher potentially on DraftKings tonight at 75. Would you use Matz tonight? I know you like him. Yeah, I think he's in play too. The always the biggest issue for him is the first inning. For some reason, he just and we see this with some pitchers, he just really struggles in the first inning. And then once he gets past that, he's usually pretty good. Um but he's had good numbers in Atlanta at Sunshine Trust Park. Uh and it's uh, a good park and you know, he gets he's a lefty, so going against Freeman helped neutralize him. Yeah, I mean Freeman's a great hitter anyway, but you know, throwing lefties at them with Marcakis and Freeman Helps a little bit. So, yeah, I think he's in play tonight. Again, we, we don't have a lot of games, so it's not like we have great options. And if you're trying to pick two pitchers on DKI, I do think Matt's could be one of them. All right, Pittsburgh is playing the Cubs. Joe Musgrove against Jose Quintana. Uh, I think I might go Musgrove. I, I like him very much. Yeah, I like him a lot, too. Uh, I think he was uh, in my preseason pro picks for National League pitcher. I don't know if it was sleeper or breakout, one of them. But, yeah, I love Musgrove. He pounds the strike zone. Uh, he was excellent in his first start. Uh, the Cubs are, are hit and miss, but they strike out quite a bit. Uh, and, you know, the, I think the weather is a question mark, though, too. So check that out. Uh, the last I saw earlier in the day, I did see that there were some questions about uh, Wrigley today. So you, you want to take a look at that. I know the Cubs are favored with Jose Quintana, but uh, I like Musgrove. All right, San Diego against Arizona. Pedro Avila, a guy I know very little about, Adam, against Zach Godley. Yeah, the over-under on this game is nine. Uh, Godley has not been good. I think a lot of people are hoping that he could rebound. But, uh, yeah, this is a game that uh, I wouldn't use either pitcher, and uh, you, you'd probably be looking for some bats here. Um, okay, and then Colorado against the, the uh, Giants here. John Gray against Samarja. Uh, John Gray is just uh, always difficult to figure out. We you know he has great stuff, and there are times where he looks dominant and other times where he just struggles or he'll be cruising for three innings, but it's on the road <laughs> against the Giants. So uh, in this spot, yeah, I think it's you can roll with Gray. It's the Giants on the road. If he can't get it done here, it's not even worth owning. So, yeah, I think Gray is definitely in play tonight. So you're playing DK tonight. Well, I'm just saying you are. Who are your two guys? Uh, I think I would go with. I think I would go. Gray's expensive though. He's ninety three. Uh, I don't think he's worth ninety three. You think he is? No, I don't think he's worth ninety three. I don't think he's that good. Uh, I think he is, but you know, at home you're you have you're scared off. But it's the Giants on the road. I mean, in a great park, I'd probably go Musgrove and. Gospin. I was thinking Musgrove. How much is Eovaldi? 86. Boy, I hate yeah, that's that. the problem. If he was he, cheaper, I'd feel better. I mean, and he's he only going to go four so innings, dude. He's only going to go four innings. You know that, right? He throws too many pitches. Yeah, he's been bad so far. Again, all the Red Sox pitchers have pretty much been bad. I think they're all behind. I know they're, they're behind. I mean, the problem is in, in today's DFS world, finding a guy who can get the win is crucial. I mean, if I knew for a fact, I, I think the Red Sox are going to win this game, right? But do I think that Ivaldi is going to go five innings? I don't know if I can tell you that. Maybe he goes four and a third and they pull him out. Yeah, I'm so, I thought this would be a slate you didn't play. It is now. I'm not going to play it. Okay. I'm going to wait till tomorrow. I don't, I don't like small slates like this, Adam. And I especially, look, if I could find an angle, I could work with it because I, I like Musgrove. But I don't know if I love him against the, the Cubs in a game where it could be a little rain and maybe he only pitches three or four innings. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking for a reason to play, but I don't see it. I don't really see it tonight. It's amazing. Eovaldi has an 8.10 ERA on the season, yet uh, he is the third most expensive pitcher on the slate. I mean, John Gray's the most expensive pitcher on the slate. Yeah, when that's the slate, don't play. Don't play, seriously. I'm just going to watch Masters highlights, Ronis. Yeah, I'll watch baseball tonight. I'll watch the Mets. All right, well, yeah. I, I'm interested to see how Mets looks against, against Atlanta. I, I, look, I'm very pleased with the Mets right now. I, I think, that, look, I, yeah, I mean, if, if Suspedis was back, I'd like this team a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, that's like making a trade at the trade down line. If he can come back and perform to the level that he has. Uh, you know, it still remains to be seen. He's going to miss at least half the year, if not more. 
So they're off to a good start. You know, it's competitive division. Them, the Phillies, Braves, all at seven and four right now. And I think we all expected this to be a four-team race where it could go down in the end. Injuries are going to be a big factor. Uh, Matt's has been pretty good so far. He's he throws a lot of pitches. Uh, that's been the problem. You know, six and a third. Uh, no, combined ten and a third over his two starts. He only threw seventy-four pitches against Miami, and they took him out. He threw one hundred and three against Washington in his last start, but only went five innings because he walked four. So uh, that's going to be the key for him. It would be nice to see him go six, seven innings in a game. It's just many pitchers don't anymore. But zero point eight seven ERA through two starts, eleven strikeouts, and four walks. So against this Braves team, you know, he could have some success in it. But the I'm, first I'm, inning's always key for him. I'm not sure how you feel, but I really like Jeff McNeil. I'd, I'd, I'd want to see him in the Mets lineup. It doesn't have to be a third. It could be anywhere. He could be the Jed Lowry type. Like, I don't need Lowry and Frazier coming back. I mean, I need them because they're players, but I don't want McNeil out of my lineup. Yeah, I mean, he's shaky in left field. He made an awful base running mistake yesterday. I don't know what he was doing. It, w- it was a wild pitch and went to the backstop. He broke off third, and he just froze, and he stood there and then tried to get back to third, and they threw him out. And I think that was the same inning where they scored all those runs with the walks and hit by pitches, so it didn't hurt them. But, uh, yeah, McNeil's got a good bat. We saw it last year. It's continuing this year, and, you know, they've put him in left field for now just because not a lot of spots in the infield trying to get J.D. Davis bat in there at third base. So uh, I would think that if they get – a healthy Cespedes, and that's still months away, so I don't even know why it's even worth talking so about So let's that, say but. Lowry comes back. Do you think that Lowry plays third every day? That would be my guess. Or maybe they – I don't think they intended for Lowry to play every day anyway. I think they wanted to kind of move him around, you know, third here, short here. That's going to be the key because there's talk about Todd Frazier working at shortstop. And the reason why they're doing that is to, you know, send Guillermo down – and not keep him on the roster, but they don't have a backup shortstop on the roster. So when you get Lowry back, you couldn't put him at short. It's not ideal, but you just want to at least have a backup on the roster at short in case. Can Frazier play short? I mean, I know Lowry can, but can Frazier play short? They're trying to do it in his minor league rehab. My guess is no, he's too old. I don't see the range, but they're trying to give him a shot just to see if he can handle it uh, when he does come back because it seems like he's closer than Lowry. He's already started his rehab, so... Uh, if they that, put him in over Pete Alonso, I, you, you, I, I'm going to go to Brody Van Wagenen's office I personally. I don't think they're going to do it. There's no way. There's no. I mean, I, I think they'd have a riot on their hands. I mean, look, if you want to take Alonso out on a Sunday, I'm okay with that. After that, I, this guy should be playing six, six days a week. Yeah, he will, as long as he continues to hit and he's brought some excitement to the team. And they've showed confidence. They put him two. It's not like they buried him at seven. So they're showing you we believe in this guy. We want him to be a big part of the offense. And, you know, Frazier's a great clubhouse leader. And, you know, he's got to go to the bench. You know, right. maybe you put him at third once in a while, too. You know, I could see, you know, you want to play him over J.D. Davis. Yeah, I'm good shot, with that. Fine. I'm good with that, yeah. And if he doesn't hit, send him to the bench. You know, this is production. You can't mess around. I mean, this is a division. You can't blow games. If you do, you're not going to make the playoffs. That's very true. All right, who's coming up in hour number two, hour? Adam? Got uh, Sean Childs at 3.20 p.m. Eastern. Okay, I heard he's pretty good at the fantasy stuff. Yeah, he's okay. He's won before. All right, guys. This is Dr. Roto saying be well and take care. I'm out of here. Remember, check out ScoutDFS.com. Check out our optimizer, our articles. Stay tuned for hour number two with Adam Ronis right here. And we'll be back right after this.